SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the frightly competitive science knowledge scream case. I'm your ghost, Hank Gangrene. And joining me this week, as always, is mad scientist, Scary Riley. Hello. And our resident every wolfman, Sam Skulls. Ow, ow, ow. The old calendar on the wall says it's Halloween time once more, and we here at SciShow Tangents love getting into the Halloween spirit, and this year is no different. October is trick-or-treat month, and Sam and Sari have invited some ghoulish guests over to Tangents Manor to join us this month. In fact, I hear one of them approaching the door now. Trick-or-treat. Trick-or-treat! Hello. Hello, welcome to Tangents Manor! Oh, thanks. That's so cool. Thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us. Our, uh, our car broke down outside and there was a light here uh, over at the old green place. So we decided to just uh, come and use your phone. Everybody, it's Justin Sidney okay. McElroy of, of Sawbones and also of trying to become a representative of some sort of the state of West Virginia. Yes, I am in the House of Delegates. A delegate. Nothing scarier than the U.S. government. Very spooky. (laughs) West Virginia state government. Yeah, West Virginia state government is is somewhat spookier, yeah. Yes, definitely populated with ghosts, or at least people who seem like they probably should have retired by now. Do you want to hear about the 15 (laughs) gallons of chili that we made this weekend? Is that how you win an election? Is that like the the main way to to the House of Delegates? 
In West Virginia, that's a big part of it. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> slinging chili, slinging meat and beans. He's like, show up at somebody's door and you're like, you want a gallon? <laughs> it's uh, It was for Chili Fest, which in Huntington, it's like the Christmas of Huntington. And uh, it's a chili holiday. We have many festival food festivals just in Huntington. Mm-hmm. Just in Huntington alone. The Pumpkin Festival, the Chili Fest, the Hot Dog, the hot dog Festival, wow. Rib Fest. Rib Fest, too. <laughs> ramp Fest. So oh, at least yeah, one ramp. vegetable. Just, uh, just onion. Stink an Fest onion. is what that's called. Stink Fest? Oh, stink, stink Fest is like a, a festival celebrating oh, ramps. Because yeah. ramps are stinky. Ram, ramps yeah. are stinky, yeah. yeah. But yeah, we're big in the food fest. So we did a booth for the, the Democrats, uh, the Capital County Democrats. And uh, between Sydney's mom and I, we made 30 gallons. 30 <laughs> gallons of chili. Where are you keeping them? <laughs> in all what vessel? What? Yeah. 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 So that's a great, that's a great question. Um, I'm picturing, yeah, well, let me tell you what I'm picturing. I'm picturing. Bathtub. I'm thinking uh, bathtub. Like Yeti coolers. Those are part of it. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and just not fro- just filled with chili, though. Not yeah, just like no, dumb. I was, I was <laughs> picturing like you just push like the button and it comes out the spout. <laughs> like we use Gatorade coolers and just push the button at the bottom and it all just gooshes out. No, it's, it's a yucky. bunch of fr- freezing and pots and gallon storage bags. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have to, I was cooking the, heating oh, up man. the chili while, while people were eating the chili. And then I would have to dump the big pot of chili into the eating pot. And I would ask people, please don't look at this part. <laughs> You're hungry for chili and you won't be hungry after you watch a man dump three gallons of chili into a pail. I guarantee it's an appetite killer right there. Was it a, was it a hit? Did people like the chili? I mean, we sold out of all 30 they gallons. Really, they That's really great. did. Yeah. No, wow. it went over well. Oh, did it cost? Is it Was it free chili or was it cost chili? So the whole thing is a fundraiser for the Ronald McDonald House. And gotcha. the way that it works is you go buy your tickets and then you hand, you exchange your tickets for chili at all the various chili booths. Yes. The organizers of the Infinite Wisdom had put us our booth directly across from the uh, political opposition, our, the, the <laughs> counterpart of oh. the Democrat uh, yeah. uh, well. Cabo County Party. And they ran out of chili in an hour. They brought Ooh. two standards of Donald Trump and one pot of chili. So I, I don't know, y'all. Maybe, maybe it's time to spend a little more time filling those wow. promises. More chili, is, less Donald. Yeah. This is uh, this is definitely how we heal America. Uh, yeah. Here at Tangents Manor, we have a similar thing, except instead of chili, it's just big bowls of eyeballs because it's creepy mm. season. But instead Ooh. of talking about that, I do want to talk about, I recently went to Bozeman, Montana, to also do an event related to the election. I was uh, doing an event with Monica Trinnell, who's running for one of the two Montana House districts. And um, and in the in the third row back, so the first row was reserved for a family of Monica mm-hmm. Trinnell. Second row, pe- normal people. Third row, normal people. One of them held up a, a banner that said, oh, no. I love Sam Schultz. <laughs> And and I and I said because because I was in a I was in a place that's quite close to Sam's hometown and I was yeah. like do you know Sam and he said no I just love Sam <laughs> I wow. think maybe it was like a what brother or a friend that's lovely but no you didn't think people could just like me without knowing me Hank well it was close but <laughs> I had just been in view I, I like Sam I've known Sam all of eight minutes we like Sam <laughs> that's very exciting I'd love to see it. did you take a picture of the banner. Oh God! You know I did. This was a big a moment ma- for what me. What a hey? massive you mistake! Yeah, I know you could have gotten. I the hear banner. you, Bozeman man. If you ha- if you still have your banner and didn't throw it in the garbage, can you take a picture of it and send it to us on Twitter or at? Sasha I would Tantrums. like to see it. It's going to be just as impressive draped across this couch as it was held up in a big crowd <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so 
Justin, Sydney, would you like to know how our podcast works? Please. Sure. Yeah, at this point, I'm just grasping at straws. So every week here on Tangents, we gather to try to unnerve, disgust, and delight, and horrify each other with science facts while trying to stay on topic and failing. We are all playing for gory and for candy, which we will be awarding as we play. And at the end of the episode, one of us will be crowned the king of Halloween. And if the guest is the trick of Trick or Treat Month, here's the trick. Our regular panel will take turns presenting games this month, and I get to play along some. There's two tricks, according to you, but that's okay. I don't know what's going on. That's fine. You did great. <laughs> now, as always, we're going to introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem, this week, I think, from our guests. I gave this job to Sydney, uh, who has written not one, not two, but three science <laughs> poems. Oh, no. <laughs> I wrote a Shakespearean sonnet, I wrote a haiku, and I wrote a limerick. Nice. Um, so what... Well, what, yeah. what you know, whatever you prefer. Your I mean, we have time for all three style. of them, of course. I'm gonna need all like three. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> brain was created. very excited to have a, a project that was not campaign uh-huh. uh, <laughs> or child related. <laughs> <laughs> you want to read my science poems? I feel weird reading my own poems. You want me to read your science poems? Yeah, will you okay. read my science sure. poems? You have wow, such a that's nice, very cute, poem professional voice. podcaster voice. <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> very cute. This is the sonnet. What more essential farrier than you, who with each beat breathes life into our limbs? But for you, for your flow, our lips would fade to blue and every mortal functioning would dim. Although our vital need for you is clear and absence of your warmth ensures our doom, the sight of you in some can evoke fear and cause to faint the staunchest in the room. To find your secrets too small for the eye, we smear across a slide and peer to view obsessively. We count, test, and try to help guess if help or harm you mean to do. So I will write and seek to understand you as you fuel my brain and move my hand. Ooh. Holy shit. Ooh, and I, wow. Here's your haiku. The haiku, a flutter of nerve, cause color and warmth to flow, the fleshing of cheeks. Ooh. Wow. And there's my blood limit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For a surgeon to be rated on top, she must carefully guard every drop. But she need not feel stressed, for as I can attest, eventually all bleeding will stop. (laughs) That's a dark one. That's a dark one. (laughs) Oh, I thought it was stopped because the guy got better. He didn't get better. (laughs) (laughs) All all bleeding stops because we have enough band-aids for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for mixing it up and giving us uh, lots to think about and many things to feel, including (laughs) the reality that we all must die. I didn't mean to bring that into the energy. <laughs> yeah, we come around to that a lot, kind of. Almost like a pretty central central uh, fact of the, not, not so much the podcast, but the existence uh, mm-hmm. part of the thing that we're doing right now. So, yeah, but, it's exci- but it's exciting, too. It's what makes it all the more, all the more luscious. Memento Mori, right? It's, it's thrilling. Halloween's a good time to get those fears out and just be like, I know you're there. I don't know. Yeah. I get it. I, just like, just like the surgeon counts every drop, we have to count every yeah. moment and then feel yeah. really <laughs> bad when we realize how many of them we're spending on Twitter. Sari, yeah. yes. what is blood? This one actually has a definition that, that is pretty precise. Okay, um, great. So blood is a circulatory fluid uh, in 
various animals. So we don't consider in prokaryotic organisms, which are mostly, which are entirely single-celled, that's just cytoplasm hanging out. Mm -hmm. That's just cell goop. But when you have multiple cells and organ structures, you need some sort of fluid to carry things around, whether it's nutrients or oxygen or uh, your immune system, whatever immune molecules you have. Uh, and to help regulate temperature and the acid content of your body. And in invertebrates like arthropods, so spiders and uh, crustaceans and insects, you have a fluid that you can call blood. It's sometimes called hemolymph also because they have um, what's called an open circulatory system, so just chambers within them. And the the fluid washes over the organs and just kind of carries everything around. Whereas in vertebrates, so humans, birds, reptiles, things like that, uh, we have. I forgot forgot all the fish. Fish. The fish, too. (laughs) (laughs) Anything with a backbone. Uh Um, Blood is carried within vessels, it's a closed circulatory system um, and has the protein structure hemoglobin, which is iron-based, and that's what helps transport oxygen throughout it. So if you were a vampire looking to drink blood, you probably wouldn't crush a bug and and like squish that goo. Yeah. Can we talk, can we just pause for a second? Because we've all realized, I assume like myself, that invertebrates just, just <laughs> the blood's just squishing around loose in there, huh? There's no, it's, I don't, I find that very upsetting. There's no veins or anything. The blood's just kind of gooshing around all higgledy-piggledy. I, I find that very concerning. <laughs> where, what if it gets to the wrong places? How does it know where to go? Yeah, uh, for, for some just, reason, this is like fine for me when it's a fly, but when it's a lobster, I'm not on board anymore. Oh, I'm like, that, that, that. that's too much gushing. I like a yeah. giant squid all in that big body. It's just oh, gooshing in there. It's a blood balloon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a real yeah. big boy. Mm-hmm. Real big goosh. Is that the biggest exactly. goosh? I don't know. Can you think of a bigger, a giant clam? Is a giant clam bigger than a giant squid? The largest uh, invertebrate. Yeah. If it's a worm, worms have closed circulatory systems. Oh. So even though they're an invertebrate, oh. they have little vessels. So um, mm. why earth, earthworms have little vessels? I don't know. I didn't decide that. <laughs> is, there, uh, is there some advantage to being gushy or being vessely, or is it just whatever? You don't know I that don't either. No answer. Uh, yeah, my God. guess is form that follows just, function. This is, Sam, this is the point that in every episode you reach where you go to the Lord in prayer and ask about his divine design. We really push the envelope of my science expert title <laughs> as I make so many uncomfortable noises. I think they just evolved that way. I don't know. Sure. It made more sense for them mm-hmm. to stop gushing at some point. Points to us for getting the largest invertebrate, which is the squid. The colossal squid is the largest right. invertebrate. We were on it. I had never thought about it before, but it makes a lot of sense. And do we know where the word blood comes from? So this is a this is an interesting one, very Halloweeny in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So there's the Latin sanguine, uh, which you've heard of that. Uh, there's the Greek hyma, uh, which is where we get like hemoglobin and hemato, mm-hmm. like those prefixes. Sure, but yeah. the word blood appears in a lot of different Germanic languages. So Old Saxon, Old Norse, Old English, but it just kind of popped up out of nowhere. And we 
the Oxford English Dictionary, and from there, me, we think that blood was used as a word because what we used to call blood was somehow like forbidden or taboo. So we, it had some weird name, like the mystical substance within us. Mm-hmm. And no one was allowed oh. to say that. And so we were like, mm. let's call it something funny. Blood. blood. And then everyone started using blood. <laughs> and we just collectively agreed. We Europeans, white people collectively agreed. Uh, we're like, we'll just call it blood. We'll ignore whatever it was called in the past. That's too mm-hmm. gross and yucky. Huh. What the heck? There's a lost creepy word for blood. I like the idea that like it's so powerful that we lost it. And so like if somebody out there knew the word for blood, then they'd be able to like make you do a dance even if you didn't want to or something Uh, or just like murder you all your make your clots clot. And I also love that we decided that the fun word was blood, which is great. Yeah, that's fun to say in so many different ways. And it also feels like correct. There's like there are yeah. a lot of words that don't quite match yeah. with their thing, but I feel like blood. I'm like, yes, I am on board. That's blood. Like that. Whoever came up with that, they must have felt very pleased with themselves when they <laughs> opened their mouth. They're just like, yeah. hey, what about what about this? Blood. Man, the branding. You've been quiet this whole time, Greg. You've been working on that one. Work. Yeah, yeah, working. <laughs> I now feel overinformed on the topic of blood, which means that it's time to move on to the quiz portion of our show, which I will kick off with a I'm so excited about this one. It's so weird. So there are plenty of very great organs in your body. And though many of us have likely forgotten what the point of a spleen is, it was considered for a long time to be one of our most vital organs, thanks to the belief Mm -hmm. that it was necessary for black bile, one of the four humors responsible for health, and also considered to be associated with laughter and, confusingly, darker thoughts, which may be why Shakespeare's version of King Richard III involved a rallying cry of, Fair St. George, inspire us with the spleen of fiery dragons! The spleen... It turns out is a small organ just above our stomachs. It's located inside our left rib cage and it stores blood. It gets rid of damaged blood cells and it helps us make white blood cells and antibodies when we are fighting infections. And untangling the mechanics of the spleen has led to many strange medical and scientific observations over the years. The following are three stories of spleens, but only one of them is true. Which one is it? Is it story number one? In the 1800s, wealthy English women would consume powdered rabbit spleens during pregnancy because doctors believed it would soothe what they described as overstimulated nerves. Or it might be story number two. Patients have sometimes reported feeling pain long after an injury to their spleen, which doctors have later realized is because cells from their damaged spleen broke off and created smaller spleens in other parts of their body. Or It could be what 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 you you don't like that one? No, that's horrible. No, yeah, that sounds bad. Oh, but at, that might be fake. It could be story number three. Scientists have realized that people who take Viagra are less likely to be infected with malaria because the medication binds to particular mosquito attracting molecules in our blood and causes the spleen to clear them from our bodies. Now, I will say here, what? we do have a doctor in our midst. You know the answers. Yeah. Don't give it away. 
<laughs> I don't. Okay, great. <laughs> I do, but I'm going to stay quiet. <laughs> um, I think for the sake of the game, Justin and Sydney can be either on a team or two different people. I was thinking two different people, but it's up to you guys. What do you want? I feel you like a team. Be... Team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Just off the top of my head, team feels Fair good. Team. <laughs> All I don't right. know that I know this, though, so... So it could be story number one, doctors prescribed Englishwoman rabbit spleens to contend with pregnancy mood swings. Or story number two, damaged spleens can go on to make many smaller spleens inside the body. Or story number three, Viagra helps the spleen clear out molecules that make us tastier to mosquitoes. Number one, I feel like you could say old Victorian ladies, they made them eat this. You could put anything in that blank. It's true. It's true. They, they powdered absolutely whatever they could get their hands on. Yeah, that that's tough. Because num- number one, that's that's what I was thinking. Like, have I said that on our show it before? Sounds like a Maybe Sawbones I don't Mad know. Lib, We've said like, something like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Powdered <laughs> something yeah, exactly. for mood swings and women. Yeah, this yes. <laughs> the second one, I hate thinking about. I hate the idea that a, a second spleen could form an, an accessory organ. Is that what you called it, or something? Oh, wow. Uh, or is that what my head made up? Uh, <laughs> I, like, you think somebody said that in this episode? Accessory organ. <laughs> Uh, maybe uh, my head said it as Hank was <laughs> yeah, talking. Like, no, that would that. be. A- <laughs> okay. uh, I usually try and think about like what it would be called if it was a uh, sciency word. Right. I would uh, call yeah. it if if I would call it in a non creepy way. I'd be like, oh, you've developed an accessory organ here. Sure. Uh, looks <laughs> like nice we'll have to a doctor could call it that. to not freak you out too much. Yeah. yeah. Ver- versus like you got a new spleen in your leg, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're full of spleens. <laughs> I feel like I would know that, but there's so much in medicine. There's so, there's so, you know, so many things. Learn things every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I gotta say, the last one sounds so specifically weird. That would be a weird yeah. thing yeah. to lie about. I feel like I read something about Viagra being a useful treatment for oh. like baby blood or something oh with that. Baby like, blood. <laughs> it's because of the way it, my, my baby my baby's great, but he doesn't have the spark that he used to. <laughs> um, we do use it. We do in the in the NICU sometimes. Just oh. for oh. mainly for confidence. For, just to make- uh, no. <laughs> What's it it's for? for? It's for pulmonary hypertension in newborns to to open up blood vessels to allow oh, okay. blood flow. Oh. So we do we do oh. use Viagra in babies. Okay, That's now wait a minute. That sounds that like is, that is a real. That thing. sounds like it. I could, don't know about the mosquito, part. but that sounds yeah. like it could be. It's all you know. Yeah. It's blood and Viagra. I've never heard and the that's other it. part. I it's know, blood. My, okay, my my uh, I would pick number one because I don't think that mood swings would have been an idea that Victorian people would have been plugged into. They would have had some other name well, for it, like they wouldn't have said mood swings. But they, they wouldn't have the idea. They would have been clinic. Yeah, hysteria or something yeah. like that. Two two are know, false I, and one is true. So you think one is two are false and one yeah. is true. I think the I think the Viagra thing is true. That's right. Then I'm if going. that if that's where we're going, that makes me think the Viagra thing too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know. So there are accessory spleens, but I don't believe that mm. they happen that way. That is a thing, an accessory spleen. <laughs> oh. oh, having an expert well, making this more confusing. Yeah, but, I don't, but well, but there's just the, I mean, there's so many things. I don't know. People write papers on all kinds of stuff. <laughs> ah, I think number three, they he used the basis of the baby thing for the lie. So I'm going to go with number two being true because I don't know, just sounds right. I think I'm going to go with 
the spleen's being true also, because this makes me think I didn't make up accessories organs out of my head, <laughs> and it's real, because <laughs> Sydney said it's a thing. Uh, accessory so. organs are, are real, yes. Uh-oh. Yeah. So we've got our answers in now, and the, and the reality of it is, and I'm shocked to report, that both Sari and Sam got it right. Man, I let you down, Justin. No. So I'll so spleens. I was pushy. Yeah. I <laughs> they can they can grow little tiny spleens on them. Um, and it's called splenosis. And it all starts when a spleen is damaged and some of the cells from it travel to other parts of the abdomen where if they land near enough to a blood vessel, they can grow into a little spleen called an accessory spleen or a spleen splenunculi. Oh, really? A splenunculi? <laughs> Boy, that's grand. (laughs) In some cases, these accessory spleens can cause pains, like a case reported in 2016 where a 35-year-old woman reported severe abdominal pain related to splenosis following an injury that happened 19 years before. Fortunately, it doesn't seem to be very common, which is good, because it's estimated that around one in five people have splenunculi in their body. What? There's five of us us here now. Which of us has the extra spleen? Hank, you're chock full of spleens. I can tell. The truth of the matter is all of these were, were based on, on some real factness. Um, for example, uh, the first one with the rabbit spleens. Uh, throughout history, the spleen was associated with melancholy or sadness because of the accumulation of black bile, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that melancholy and depression was actually sometimes called the spleen so if you ha- if you had depression, you had the spleen because of that connection. Oh. And in the 17th century, a woman named Anne Finch uh, wrote the spleen, a poem about her experience with depression. In England, spleen was sometimes called hysteria, hypochondria, or vapors, though there was also a, a gendered element to all of those things. Uh, both men and women could be diagnosed with spleen, but women's spleen was usually considered related to their delicacy or to their reproductive system, of course. And Viagra also does help with malaria. So um, it, scientists reported that Viagra could help prevent it thanks to a molecule in the drug called cyclic adenosine monophosphate. And in their experiments, they found that this molecule increased the stiffness of red blood cells infected with the, the malaria-causing parasite, and that made the spleen more likely to filter them out. So very close to the true fact. But yeah, that was pretty close. That seemed like it was you're cheating a little bit there, I would say. <laughs> 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 Had all the words in it and everything. Yeah, <laughs> just different order. <laughs> yeah. So that means that Sam and Sari and I all got a point. So we're coming in, we're coming in tied to the second part of the show, which wow. I don't know. Is that going to happen after the ad break? Probably. But you have to wait and find out. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. 
Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. Slash Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Miriam Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster... (laughs) Use some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand, the only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora... Ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts? I feel like honey is this way where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea and Mm -hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Hello, we're back. It turns out that we, we were going to come back. <laughs> That's kind of scary. We're headed in uh, with a three-way tie, Justin and Sydney uh, coming in last, and Sari has got our second game for us to play. We got a lot of points up, up for grabs here, uh, not for me. So today we're going to play a slightly modified game of This or That, where the rules are very simple. The answer to each question will be one of three things. Uh, blood, which is fancy water with sugars, proteins, and lots of complex cells to help animals survive. Nectar, which is fancy water with sugars and lots of complex plant chemicals to help attract pollinators. 
or both. Because after starting to write this game and thinking I was so clever for drawing parallels between these two substances, I learned that lots of creatures already noticed over evolutionary time and have adapted to eat both. Oh, okay. Mm. So it's not that it's not that one substance is blood and nectar, which is what I was thinking, which would have been yeah. great because it would be Pretty called cool. lector. But it's, that doesn't exist. Hannibal Blechter. Yeah. <laughs> it's either blood or nectar. Which which of which of these those two things do animals eat? Yes, is it, it is the answer to the question will be blood okay. or nectar or both. Gotcha. Uh, so one of those gotcha. three things. And if you get a question right, you get a point slash candy. And I am not right. It's not built for me to get points, so I am. Oh, just so you lose. You, you, you've lost. Yeah, it. yeah. Sarah's just given up on the possibility of winning. That's brave. Okay. Thank you for taking one for the team. Can <laughs> if it's both? Yes. Can I shout Blechter? Yes. Oh, so okay. yeah. blood, nectar, or Blechter. Uh, <laughs> I guess is the game now. So round one is bats are known for slurping up nutritious liquids, and to learn more about their specialized mouths, a team of researchers observed a couple kinds of bats feeding in a lab with high-speed cameras in 2015. One species, L. robusta, had a grooved tongue that curled up into a loose tube, almost like a straw, but without the airtight seal needed for suction. Instead, these bats used rippling muscle contractions of their tongue to help them slurp up pools of liquid, kind of like how our throats swallow or our intestines push out a poop. Are these rippling, muscly <laughs> bat tongues for drinking blood, nectar, or both? I'm going to say nectar, because I think you want me to say blood. Yeah, I think like almost every bat drinks nectar. We're going to have to answer different from them if we want to have a comeback. I know, but here. I think they're right. Well, I mean, but if they're right, we're exactly where we are right now. And but if we're wrong, we're further behind. <laughs> I mean, you got to... <laughs> something about eggs and omelets here i mean no okay we'll go we'll go we'll i go feel nectar. like i mean there might be another one we i feel okay, like we'll see nectar. Nectar. i feel like it is you're all right it oh. is nectar uh okay. this okay, is launch of robusta it's uh i'm using scientific names because their common names will definitely give this game away uh, this yes. is the orange nectar feeding bat um <laughs> and the experiment involved they just did high-speed cameras with glass tubes of nectar, and they just watched different bat tongues lick it up. And some of them uh, lapped it up like a, a cat, but this one specifically stuck its tongue in and slurped continuously. And then they were like, ah, it's like an intestine. Gross. Kind of <laughs> goofy. It's really gross. Fun. I don't like I don't it. Like it. Gross. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I say it's gross, but it's basically just like your esophagus, except it sticks out of your mouth, which now that I've said it again, gross. That's gross. Yeah. That would be gross. I, yeah, I thought that it was <laughs> going to be not gross, but then I thought about shooting my esophagus out of my mouth and I didn't like it. <laughs> Round two. The islands in the Galapagos archipelago aren't very lush ecosystems because they're so isolated and fairly dry, and some, like Wolf Island, are particularly bleak. But even there, small birds called finches have different beak shapes to help them eke out a living and find food and water. It's what Darwin was interested in. Some sharp-beaked ground finches who live on these remote islands, like G. septentrionalis, have expanded their diet beyond seeds and insects when they need a little extra nourishment. Do these finches use their pointy beaks to drink blood, nectar, or both? I ain't going first, because I know the answer. You know the answer? No. I think so. I mean, I, I, know, I know at least half the answer. We're losing, so it doesn't seem fair that we have to answer. For oh, right, all right. I'm going with blood. It's, you I'll said they got a sharp well. beak. Sharp beaks. I'm going with blood. blood too. I think these are nasty little fellows. 
little blood finches. See, I felt yeah. like they they the blood was for sure. Blood is in the but bugs, I didn't know so they're both. eating the bugs. Yeah, that's so, what I I was I felt good on blood, but like maybe. But is it blackter? Yeah, I want. Yeah, s- is it blackter? I don't know. I know you want to say that because that would be a different answer. I know. I know. I see it. Just say. Hmm. I see the determination. Say what you think. The fire. Say, say Blackbird. Say, you you guys could be. You could have been say, on two different teams. You know. <laughs> we should have. We should have. Yeah. yeah. In hindsight. Okay, right. You want to say Blackbird? No. Say, just say blood. Just say blood. We'll wait for a moment to. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Say blood. Blood. I oh, well, I'm so sorry. It's Blackbird. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> that was the oh. moment to pounce. That was, we should have gone for it. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. All so right. they are, uh, their Jeez. common name is the vampire finch. And the pictures you see of them are pecking at the tails of other birds, specifically the Nazca and blue-footed boobies that land on the Mm. Galapagos archipelago. Um, And these finches have microbiomes similar to vampire bats that help them process all the iron and sodium in blood, which is kind Mm. of cool. But because the islands are so sparse, they really need any food source they can get. And uh, Galapagos prickly pear flowers are big and luscious and bloom every once in a while. And so these finches land on the flowers and drink nectar from them, too, with their sharp beaks. Just kind of jab right in there like a bird tail. Um, Yeah, you got to look up a picture of these guys, too. They're nasty little freaks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Birds should all be friends, I think. Yeah, they should not peck at each other's assholes. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, round three. Snails may seem unintimidating from their squishy outsides, but different species switch up their mouth structures to help them hunt and swallow their preferred foods. For example, mm. instead of a nubby head with lips like an iconic garden snail, the false triton snail, C. reticulata, has a thin tube-like mouth part called a proboscis that can extend out to three times the length of its shell. And from what scientists have observed, they mostly feed at night. Does this snail use its super long proboscis to drink blood, nectar, or both? Blood, 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 uh, snail, blood, blood snail. Blood snail. Snail can never reach the flower. What do you, why can they reach squishy. the flower? They can the stick to they stuff, stick. you know? They stick and, and stick their way Justin, up. Justin's guys. like, no snail <laughs> has ever climbed. <laughs> Sound I've seen mean. them. They are always on the ground. I wanted to choose Blackter in the last round. I don't, I don't know. I did. Mm. <laughs> I don't think that anything needs a tongue that long to suck up blood. I think they only need it to get mm. real in those flowers. So I'm going with Nectar. I'm not Justin getting hit City? again. You have to pick this time. Blackter. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is just blood. It is a blood snail. Uh, this one doesn't have a fancy spooky name. It's just part of the Colubraria family. It's a marine snail. So there are no flowers uh, down there with nectar. That's um, what I thought as well. I was like, that's yeah. probably an ocean boy. And the radula, so their teeth in or their teeth-like structures, uh, are extremely tiny in this genus. So they were considered basically toothless until very recently, but they stick out their very long proboscises into fish, uh, including through any protective layers. So a lot of fish 
sometimes excrete a protective mucus like parrotfish do or Mm -hmm. have outer coatings that would help Mm -hmm. them uh, prevent any sort of blood suckers. But this snail has the extra long little tubey to to poke right in there. And it seems like they take advantage of the blood pressure of the fish rather than active suction. So they'd really just drill a hole in and then let the the blood erupt into their mouth. Okay. Yeah, that's what most of the vampire animals do. They don't do it. They just sort of like create a hole and then lick. Okay, round four. The flashy marsupials are kangaroos and koalas, but Australia is home to lots of tiny mouse-sized species too. One of them, which has the scientific name T. rostratus and the aboriginal name Nulbenger, uh, (laughs) has an especially pointy snout and weird tongue. Lots of mammalian tongues, including ours, have little fleshy bits covered in a layer of tougher skin cells with more keratin protein. These are called papillae and help give the tongue a rough, grippy texture, among many other things. So T. rostratus has a tongue about a quarter of the length of its body with a tuft of brush-like bristles at the tip to help scrape its foods of choice. Does this little possum drink blood, nectar, or both? Mm. I gotta go with nectar again. You got that a bristle. Seems like nectar. That, I don't know how. I nectar. don't know how it's getting its little tongue bristles into a vein. That sounds like it's yeah. Got that a sounds nectar. horrid. Can't win at this point by saying the same things that Sam and Hank do. We have yeah, to but, say different things. But we yeah. can make a good showing. What? I'd rather go down. It's just like I've said with the election. I'd rather lose spectacularly, like with the, by a I thousand wouldn't. points. I wouldn't. I know. There, there will not be a vote spread that large. Um, the turnout will not be good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's got to be blood, and got to be blood. Got to be. Got to. You don't even think. I can't. You don't even think Blechter. I'll let you. History will forget. History will for. You want to say say Blechter? I'm not getting hit again. Blechter. 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 Okay. I don't think it's Blechter. I think it's blood. <laughs> <laughs> we, already said bla- okay. we already said black. All right. All right. We are <laughs> fighting over this. <laughs> Either way, it's just nectar. I'm so sorry that this game has become stressful. <laughs> it's supposed to be fun. It's a really cute idea, though. I like that there's a little possum with a little nectar supping brush tongue. It has to live with that every day. Yeah. Think about it. In its, mouth. Mouth. in its mouth. It's in its mouth. It can't come. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It can't take it out. It's in his mouth all the time. That's That's also It's also true of your tongue, which is about, I'd say, probably four times bigger than you think it is. It's no, so I big. know how big my tongue is, Hank. No, so no, yeah. It's the strongest muscle in the body, too. That's what that's what I learned in fifth grade from a person in fifth grade. <laughs> maybe, maybe Justin should get a bonus point for, for that. No, I don't need <laughs> for the tongue facts. <laughs> yeah. Tell us all the tongue facts, you know. You'll get a point of facts. <laughs> What? It's the tongue bonus round. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're wet. I have other qualities. You know, I have Mm -hmm. friends. I'm a good dad. You have a geographic tongue. That's a thing. That's a geographic tongue fact. Yeah. Does your tongue like look like Africa or something? What is a geographic tongue? It it looks like a like a topographical sort of map. It's it's a normal variation. There's nothing wrong. It's just a Today was a dear diary. Today was so fun. (laughs) Hank Green beat me at trivia and my wife blew up my tongue spot. (laughs) Wow. I guess at least I don't have a brush at the end of it. Love, Justin. (laughs) Let's hand and scoop a special tongue. 
Uh-huh. The last one has nothing to do with tongues, so this could be a redemption <laughs> for Hank against Hank. Hank just don't know about this bonus round. I love um, tongues. Which starts, it's so annoying when you set out to cook and then you check your fridge or pantry and you're short by just one ingredient. And because cooking is a lot of chemistry, you want to make sure any substitute ingredient you pick will react the same way with heat and other things for the right flavors and textures. So if you happen to be out of eggs and want to be really resourceful, is blood, nectar, or blector a decent substitute oh it's gotta be blood <laughs> gotta be blood right it'd be wild I mean, if it was blector though huh where are you getting nectar <laughs> wouldn't it be easier to get nectar than it would to get blood like no, who has no, right who there. Has, no it I, wouldn't yeah okay. i got it in my body who is cooking and they're like i'm out of eggs but i do have this blood <laughs> i think i think this is a fan i think it's fanciful it's fanciful it's fancy. Is this a flight of fancy? I was told that this was a scientific program, <laughs> not a whimsical job. <laughs> this is a factual, a, a factual fact in that someone has cooked with the the answer things. ingredient or then ingredients. It would, then it would be blood. Be- it would, uh, the, because the protein who would like do a, an article in Bon Appetit that's like, guess what? I cooked with nectar. Everybody'd be like, okay, whatever. Cool. If they're like, I substitute eggs for blood. Then you then you're selling that for five hundred dollars freelance, no problem. You're, you're getting that past the editors. I cooked with yeah. blood instead of eggs. But there's a lot of questions that follow that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Blood, 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 blood. Blood, blood is blood, right, blood, and it blood. didn't make it into Bone Appetite. It made it to the Nordic Food Lab archive. So not as glamorous, but uh, because uh, the egg white about. Most of it is water, but about 50% of the proteins in it is ovalbumin, uh, which is a form mm-hmm. of albumin and is a water-soluble protein. There's a lot of albumin also in the serum part portion of blood, the watery part of blood. And it congeals in the same way. So mm. they have ratios. You can, you can substitute 65 grams of blood for one egg, and they have developed recipes for sourdough blood pancakes, blood ice cream, blood meringues, and chocolate blood sponge cake. Chocolate blood sponge cake sounds pretty good. Well, look at the picture and it will turn you right off. Because the <laughs> pictures of the blood pancakes I saw made me think, I do not want that. That's all I got for you. That's the end of my, my very fun, very whimsical, not at all stressful <laughs> game. Grand. Well, do you know what that means for our final candy count? Because I got five points. <laughs> Which is like the first time I've won tangents in forever and ever. It also says on my document here that Justin and Sydney got 23 points. Which I don't, <laughs> I don't think, think is right. that could possibly I think that's be a right. typo. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's Mr. Facts. Hank Green saying that. Um, <laughs> and there's all kinds of obscure stuff. So well, I guess I'm it's supposed to be. Thank loud. you. Look, I'm going to give it to Dude. myself because I haven't won in so long. You deserve it. And I, mm-hmm. I did write, I did add the three. Oh, it was a typo. It was a theft. It was an attempt to cheat. He made it 12 at first, and then he decided to go big and make it 23. (laughs) Go big or go home, baby. I'll do both. (laughs) I don't think anyone's ever cheated at tangents before. This is a big scandal. It was just having a little harmless fun. Okay, I don't need an asterisk. Next to, <laughs> next to our score. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for Ask the Science Couch, where we ask a question to our couch of finely honed scientific minds. Sam, what's the question? At Allie Bowers 26 asks, is placing an IV different from placing a needle for blood donation? If so, how? How are they making sure that stuff only goes in 
or out. <laughs> How does uh, it even work in there? I gotta, I gotta guess. As a person who's had a bunch of people sticking needles in my body before, it's like it's a different. I think it might be a different needle, but it goes in the same hole and it does a different thing. Like I think the gauge of the needle might be different when you're g- getting blood out. It seems like it's a bigger needle, just from my vibes. And then second, it's definitely. Mm. Definitely, like, something on the outside is different to keep the pressure pushing in versus the pressure going out. I bet there's somebody on the call who knows all about it. I bet that <laughs> that is true. <laughs> How'd I do, Sydney? I mean, yeah, that was that was good. Those were all those were all accurate things. Okay. I don't know. I'm not supposed to answer this, right? Oh, yeah, you can't Sarah, you Sarah has. Sarah has. <laughs> you can uh, weigh Sarah in has the want. answer. You have the official answer. answer. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> the official answer for me, definitely not a doctor. That's not yeah. medical advice. It's pretty similar from what I could find. They're both examples of, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, ven- venipunc- venipuncture, venipuncture. Um, so you almost, you very rarely puncture an artery. Yeah, we, we use the an arterial blood gas if we need to look at the oxygen versus carbon dioxide and pH and all that to make adjustments to like respiratory support and that kind of thing. But it hurts a lot and we typically don't do it unless we really have to. Way deeper down, hurts more, um, higher pressure than veins. And so a lot of the time when you're getting an IV or blood do- giving blood in a donation, then it's a vein. Ones in your arm are just easy, fairly easy yeah. to locate. Uh, veins are also just in general more towards the surface, so easier to find um, and are generally safer in that if you puncture it incorrectly, uh, then there's less of a chance of something bad happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as I can tell for the difference in collection, if sometimes when you insert an IV into a vein, there can be a backflow of blood because your blood is under pressure. Mm-hmm. So there's not anything specifically that unique, maybe the gauge of the needle, but there are multiple ways that you can make sure things are pumping in the correct direction with an IV. There's gravity IVs, which are the ones where they suspend it above your body and you use gravity to help make sure, like counter the pressure of your blood and have it flow into your body. But then there are also IVs with pumps attached that specifically like pump the fluid actively to counteract your blood pressure. And then donating blood. Uh, I think it's a lot of it is just gravity. It's right off your arm. You just scoosh it, it just, goosh it, it, it into the bag. <laughs> yeah. It's pushing yeah. It, so so I get, it into the bag. I, I used to get like every month I had to go, I'd have to like get a blood test and they just put it in there and it's just like kind of goops out because veins, this was my, in comparative anatomy, my, my teacher said, just imagine it like you got a bunch of long balloons. Like mm-hmm. veins don't have a lot of like strength to them. It's just sort of like a reservoir almost of, of blood inside of you. And yeah. so when they, when they take it out of your vein, it's just sort of like, <laughs> whereas Ugh. out of an artery, it's under pressure and it's like, mm. and arteries yeah, are like, and strong and muscular. Exactly. Yeah. They're much firmer. I always think it's also kind of comforting that when they place an IV, they use a needle to place it, but the thing that's left behind is just this little thin, flexible catheter. Yeah. And I, I always feel, I always want to tell, especially if kids are nervous, I always like to tell them that because I feel like you think there's like a needle left inside you and people yeah, get real and if nervous you like to move. move wrong, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not know people that. would like scrape the inside of your body. That's, yeah, yeah. That is good. They don't leave that, the needle there. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Wow. 
real doctor. Yeah, uh, that's great. Th- thank you, Dr. McElroy. <laughs> if you want to ask the science couch your question, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShow Tangents, where we will tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Or you can join the SciShow Tangents Patreon and ask us on our Discord. Thank you to Shaky Hades and Ariel, the biologist on Discord. Also, everybody else who asked your questions for this episode. Thank you to Justin and Sydney McElroy. Uh, Sawbones is an absolute delight. My wife and I listen to it all the time when we're on car rides. And it just is always super informative and super funny and super interesting. So it's it's a high quality podcast that I'm glad to have in my life. You. Um, you cannot get any chili from them, but if you want to help out Sydney, what's the website? Sydney's campaign is McElroyforWV.com. That's mm-hmm. where you can find out stuff and volunteer and donate and read about Sydney's policies. If you want to hear about our podcasts and stuff, uh, you can go to Blechter.com. <laughs> take you to uh, our family's. You've really done that. Yeah. Yeah, you did that. Um, you can go to Blechter.com and uh, you can see all of our family's podcasts and shows and stuff. I was trying to le- let you all be distracted by letting you all get all the right answers. Oh. Was just, oh he he was the real winner. It was really a distraction so I could get the, that incredible URL. <laughs> I was going to make Blechter go to Sydney's website, but then I was like, no, that's a weird don't vibe. Do that. That's a weird <laughs> energy. <laughs> As you can tell, Justin's like my campaign manager, treasurer, all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the all. one. Yeah. PR guy, putting out body man, and, marketing. Yeah. Yep, all of yeah. it. Yeah, Facebook mm-hmm. advertising guru. <laughs> Social media ninja is what it says on my, on my business card. <laughs> If you like this show and you want to help us out, super easy to do that. You can go to patreon.com slash scishowtangents to become a patron and you can get access to things like our newsletter and our bonus episodes. We even have a tier where you get a special in-episode shout out, which is what patron John Pollock subscribed at. Thank you, John. Second, you can leave us a review wherever you listen. That's very helpful and it lets us know what you like about the show. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell people tell about people us. Tell people about us. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Sam Schultz. She's been Sydney McElroy. And he's been Justin McElroy. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Sam Schultz. Our editor is Seth Glixman. Our story editor is Alex Billow. Our social media organizer is Julia Buzz Bazayo. Our editorial assistant is Debuki Chakravarty. Our sound design is by Joseph Boo Our executive producers are Caitlin Hoffmeister and me, Hank Green. And we couldn't make this, of course, without our putrid patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a coffin to be filled, but a jack-o'-lantern to be lighted. But one more thing. (laughs) Snakes have lots of different ways to defend themselves when they're afraid from hissing and biting to spewing a stinky musk out of glands near their cloaca, (laughs) which, of course, is their multi-purpose butt and other stuff whole. Some species like long-nosed snakes or black king snakes are even known to use cloacal 
auto hemorrhaging, where they squeeze blood from their butts to scare away potential predators. A few other snake species intentionally bleed from their eyes or mouths instead, which is maybe a little less gross, but way creepier. So if you're looking for the perfect way to get out of that family reunion, <laughs> what I suggest. Cloacal auto hemorrhaging.com. <laughs> it's your one stop shop. Did you get that too? <laughs> it's, it's available. <laughs> sure, it is. 